You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And on an evening where Saints have just come off a disappointing draw, it feels like a loss. It feels like we played so well in the first half and that we fell into the same mistakes again in the second it really does sum up everything that it feels like to be a Saints fan. Uh, I know some people felt a little bit silly about the fireworks that happened before the match. I know people were are always upset about the clappers, the clackers, or whatever they're called that are on the, on the seats. Um, and, and I know that we were all impressed by the display in the first half and some of the improvements that some of the players have made. And then the frustration that goes along with uh, conceding in the second half and then giving up the late penalty uh, once again, I know that is that that is what our season, uh, it's what last season was about. It's what we, I think, are are, are used to at this point. Um, and I think my guest this week, Richard Walters, uh, who's an author, who's written a new book uh, about just that, the the passion and the pain uh, of being a Saints fan. Uh, I think it sums it all up, and I think that uh, that in and of itself uh, is is the best and worst kind of introduction, uh, that I can give, uh, this week's episode. So, um, Richard, I spoke with Richard on Sunday. So obviously before the game, so we don't talk about the Brighton game. Uh, we'll save that for later. Um, and and in my mind, I was secretly hoping that we could save that match just so we could have a win to talk about next week. Um, as we also talk about the Liverpool match. Um, but yeah, so, um, also, there is something weird happening in my headphones. Um, you can't hear it, but it literally sounds like there's a voice in my head. I can hear people talking. It's like my headphones are picking up some sort of radio signal, and it's really, really freaking me out. And it's making me lose concentration a little bit um, because it sounds like people are whispering in my head, and I don't like it. Um, so I'm going to try to ignore them and talk through this uh, as I as I give you uh, the, the rest of this introduction. So, uh, I spoke with Richard Walters, uh, he, about his new book and, uh, we'll talk all about that during the interview. We'll talk about how he came to write it, uh, what it's like being a Saints fan. And we'll kind of like go through and try to set up the book so that, uh, you know, when you go get your copy, cause I think you will want to do that. Um, you know, you have, you have an idea of what you're getting and, um, we will be giving away a copy of the book and, and I'll tell you right now, uh, what you have to do in order to get that is you will have to retweet the tweet that is in uh, or that is pinned to the top of my page 
uh, for the next week, the episode tweet, um, and follow Richard on Twitter. He's new to Twitter. Uh, he's got, he's got large followings elsewhere, um, but new to Twitter. So, uh, he is at R Walters author. Uh, the link is also in the show notes and he will be tagged in the post. So if you retweet that tweet, um, and then give Richard a follow, you'll be entered to win uh, a copy of the book and we will mail that out to a winner. Uh, we'll announce that next week. So, uh, make sure that you do that give yourself a chance to win it. Uh, I am looking forward to, uh, getting my hands on an, on a paper copy of the book. Uh, I'm very excited about that. So, um, without anything else, I say we get to the interview with Richard. Uh, this is Richard Walters. You can get more from him at richardwaltersauthor.co.uk. You can follow him at rwaltersauthor on Twitter. And here we are talking about his new book, Being a Saint, The Pain, Passion, and Pleasure of Being a Southampton FC Fan. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Richard Walters. He is a longtime Saints fan. Uh, he's written a new book, and you can find that book and much more about him at richardwaltersauthor.co.uk. Uh, but Richard, thank you for joining the show, and uh, welcome. And, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about the book and about your time as a Saints fan and, and anything else that comes up. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Generally, when we start the show, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about about you and kind of get to know kind of how you became a Saints fan. It's always uh, you know, it, it's nice to know whether it was a family thing or whether you kind of uh, picked them out of thin air or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, I, I, just growing up, did you did you grow up in the Southampton area or in the Hampshire area? I know it's a that's a, actually a kind of a large catchment area in terms of uh, of bringing in fans from all, kind of all over the place. But uh, what was what was your early experience maybe with, with the team? Um, well, I, I grew up, um, in fact, was born in a northern Hampshire town called Whitchurch. Um, probably I was destined to be a Saints fan from the age of one month old because my dad was a passionate Saints fan and he took me to my first game in April 1964, which is a long time ago now. Um, it was Rotherham at home and uh, we won 6-1 and literally from that moment I was smitten. And there was no going back, really. Six one. That's that's quite the it's uh, quite the opening, uh, I guess, introduction to the team. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind about other than the score, maybe about 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 the day, about arriving at the ground, or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I guess I was around about eight years old, and I'm sure my mum gave my dad um, fierce instructions to look after me, um, and just as my dad always did. He looked after me, but as soon as we got in the ground, all the big, strong male um, Saints fans picked up all the children and passed them down shoulder high to the front. <laughs> so for the whole of my first game, I stood about 30 yards away from my dad. Safe, of course, because in those days you were safe. But um, I, ne I never told my mum about that until she was 85 years old because my dad would still have got in trouble uh, <laughs> for doing that. Uh, but it was an awe-inspiring thing, um, being so small in the old Dell, you know, with the smoke and the crowd and the noise. It was incredible. And, you know, I immediately sort of picked up on the passion of the fans and how excited my dad and his friend were. Um, you know, it was infectious for a little boy. 
But as I said, never did tell my mum about that until she was much, much older. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta protect it. There's, there's a little bit of a bond there. You gotta, you gotta protect that. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, first game, eight years old, being inside the ground and stuff like that. And, and you said there's, there was something infectious about it, and you can almost just kind of feel, you know, the atmosphere. And, and I was an adult when I attended my first game, but I remember. Um, you know, and, and, and it wasn't even the atmosphere at West Ham isn't, isn't great, you know, at the London stadium, but I rem- I do remember walking out and kind of just the noise, uh, and you can just, there's something about it. There's something different about it than just showing up to, um, uh, my local team here, uh, you know, or one of the college teams in, in near me, but it's just, there's something different about it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it it's, it is definitely something that I'm going to, I'm going to remember. And. And obviously it stuck with you uh, through your time as a, as a fan. Um, at that point, you know, what, what, what were saints like? Were they, were they struggling against relegation? Were they kind of sitting mid table or what, what was uh what was that season or what was that time in your life? Like in, in terms of how saints were performing? Well, they were in um, the old second division, which is the equivalent of the championship today. Um, and they were a good championship team they used to finish in the sort of top six but we didn't have playoffs then um so they were sort of toying with promotion but it's never played in the first division equivalent of the premier league now until they got promoted in 1966 uh which was a an exciting season um but they used to score lots of goals and it was very exciting. And, of course, when we got into League One, uh, the equivalent of the Premier League, it was very exciting. And it was also the year that England won the World Cup for the one and only time. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty spectacular season for me as a young boy. I mean, never to be repeated, I might add. <laughs> right, um, right. Um, but, yeah, pretty exciting um, it, so the team was always very exciting, lots of goals and, um, you know, uh, good crowds in the old Dell. So yeah, very entertaining. When we actually went up to league one, um, we just went crazy. Um, it probably the first two years in league one were the most crazy. I can almost remember. We just scored so many goals. Ron Davis was playing for us. I think one season he scored about 43 goals. Oh, man. And bearing in mind we finished about three or four from bottom, <laughs> uh, we used to win 6-2, lose 6-2, draw four each. It, it was crazy. I think we conceded over 100 goals in that season, but I think we scored about 80-plus. So it really was quite incredible. So the first few years of my supporting career i i sort of assume that's how it always was gonna be uh-huh. <laughs> most of the time in those early years really were very similar lots of goals very exciting you know we were never one of the really big teams but we used to hold our own um and um yeah all of the certainly the first sort of 10 years of my support it was a very exciting time Obviously, the last few years haven't been that way. Um, but I can remember, you know, early on watching under Pochettino and Kuman and thinking, this is how it's always going to be. You know, this is this type of football, yeah. this, uh, the goals, the players, the, you know, the excitement. And then, uh, 
<laughs> having sat through the past couple of seasons that obviously it's not how it always works out. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a rude awakening, but also I think this is, this is, this is normal. And I always remember this is like looking at, at, at teams like, uh, like West Brom maybe, uh, or a couple of other teams. And, and when we play them going like, I don't know any of those players, like none of those players stand out to me. They just look like guys on the field. And then last year, I remember looking at our team going like, I really don't know a lot of those players. They just look like guys on the field. And I got, I went like, Oh no, <laughs> we have, we have become what I, what I, I, I always hoped we wouldn't, but overall it's been, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful experience and, and the guys are great and they're all putting in a shift and that's, that's really, you know, I, I can't, I can't complain about that. I don't think. Well, picking up on your point earlier about going to live games, I mean, all the way through those two awful years where we used to sort of lose and draw nil nil all the time. I still remember going to sit in my season ticket seat and being optimistic and thinking it was going to be different mm-hmm. this time. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't very often. But, you know, I think I think that's really, for me, what it's all about being a Saints fan. It's about exciting football and passion, not necessarily winning, you know, because we're not one of the big teams, um, but it's actually playing exciting football. And I think those two years, you know, there was a sort of disconnect with the fan base, mm. really, that I was very aware of talking to people we sit with in the ground and friends. Yeah, sort of disconnect, really, where... Um, like you said, we became sort of very ordinary, and I don't think I remember many years in the last fifty-four when we were ordinary. Um, sometimes we were very bad, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned the that season, you know, where you you concede maybe over a hundred, and but you score a ton as well, and that it doesn't matter if you finish seventeenth doing that, or or if you finish seventeenth like we did last year. There, one of those seasons leaves you feeling you know, I think a lot better about, about things. At least, at least there was some entertainment because some people for, you know, football is, is the entertainment is, it is an escape. It's a, it's a reason to go and something to put all your doubts and everything else away and to focus on the team. And I think, you know, we were talking before we started recording about social media and all this stuff. Like sometimes it, it just turns into this consumes every aspect of people's lives and we never leave the team alone. And, our moods are so affected and I'm guilty of this too, but our moods are so affected by uh, the performance of the team on the field. Um, and, and it, it, it can, it can kind of overwhelm you a little bit. And, and I, I just wonder if it's, if it was different uh, when you were, were going, you know, uh, in, in, in the sixties. And even if you were flirting with relegation or whatever, if you always had this kind of uh, a different feeling around it, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's definitely true. I think that's the modern world. And people's expectations are raised so high, you know, people who just joined supporting Saints, young people over here, they might have only just remembered the European years and the Cumin years and Potocino, and then suddenly it's not so good. Um, Obviously, people like myself who've been supporting the team for a long time, you know, I can still remember the um, Brownfoot years when it was appalling. Um, even worse than we have the last two years. So, you know, there's there's highs and lows all the time. Um, I think I think the key is, as a fan, you're always going to be there. You know, I sometimes joke. I've had two wives. Incidentally, I don't intend to have any more. 
um, just in case my wife hears this, and she's <laughs> been my wife for 30 years, so she's got a good chance of sticking around now. Um, but I've only ever had one football team. And I don't mean that football team is more important than my wife, but actually I can't imagine changing my football team. Um, you know, and I know when we were talking about us being going into administration when we were down in the League One days and it was all so awful with a um you know, ten point reduction, we were all still talking about, you know, going to see the team in the sort of non league, you know, because that's what would have happened. There would have been thousands and thousands of fans who would have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, that's what the whole thing's all about. You know, you have your highs and your lows, but it is only a football game. And as long as you're entertained and excited and you don't lose that passion, which, you know, isn't showing any signs of waning for me. And I see it in all the fans around me, you know, everybody's so passionate. But I think our expectations, you know, aren't the same as a big club. I love the European adventure. Um, you know, could do with a few more of those. That was great fun. But, you know, the chances are, just as we have over the last, you know, 40-odd years, we do it every so often, not regularly. Well, yeah, and when you when you do it that way, it makes it special. It's not, it doesn't become, we're not, we're not Arsenal or Chelsea where you have come to expect that as just being what you get to do every year. Uh, or... Some people look at it was what you have to do every year, you know, uh, Arsenal fans, um, you know, <laughs> group stages, you do okay. And then you draw a big team in, in the round of 16 and you lose and you're out. Um, that, that, and, and my Arsenal fan friends uh, that are fans just kind of take that for granted, you know? And then when they, when they didn't have that, it was this big shock. And whereas I think you talked to all the saints fans going into Europe, this was something special. People still talk about, about going over to Italy. They still talk about, um, you know, those European nights because they don't, like you said, they don't come around very often. And, and I think that, I think that's something special. I think that, that, that shows that the, you know, it's not that we don't think we should win or we don't, we don't, you know, want to be there, but we understand that that's, you know, you had, we had to build for several years to get to that point. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately we didn't, uh, we didn't make the most of it. Well, I agree with you. Um, that game at the San Siro was, pretty much one of the highlights of all those 54 years and being there with nearly 9,000 Saints fans was really something quite special even though we lost um, it sort of almost didn't matter really the fact we were there and the atmosphere um, I've got on my desktop a recording of just before the game the uh, singing of Owen the Saints mm-hmm. and it you know it always cheers me up <laughs> and uh, always will um, but you're right, it's because it's a bit special for us. I remember the League Cup final, probably, what was it, three year, two or three years ago, Manchester mm-hmm. um, United. It was obvious that it just didn't matter as much to the Manchester United fans as it did to us. Right. Um, you know, it was just another game for them. You see it when there's a Cup final and um, one of the big teams loses their fans don't stay for the, you know, trophy giving or anything else. They just leave the stadium. You know, our fans, when we lost at Cardiff in 2003, I think we were in the ground for, you know, an hour afterwards because no one wanted to lose the um, experience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and I think that's what separates Saints from, you know, the so-called big top six. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's like like you said, it's those moments that that you kind of savor and you remember and you get um, you know nostalgic about at some point and. Um, you know, things like your first memory at the, at the, at a ground or at the team or with the team. Uh, and then, you know, kind of those instances, I, I remember watching the cup final, we were, there were seven of us, seven saints fans and the rest of the, the pub was, was man United fans. And, uh, where there was a, a, a guy there, um, who was visiting, he was visiting America from Southampton. He's from Southampton. And, uh, I walked into the pub and kind of like peek my head around the corner and just see a, you know, see a man United fans and, he yells at me and says, Oh, we're over here. And he just said, you got to sing the whole time. And I said, like, I have to go to work after this. And he goes, no, you're going to drink some beer and you're going to sing. And that that's what we do. And I said, okay, and let's, let's go for it. And then when I showed up to work, they said, what happened to you? I go, I'll be all right. I promise. I just need to, <laughs> I just need a few minutes and some coffee and I'll be okay. But, uh, it was, uh, you know, that's, I'm never going to forget that, that, that no matter no matter what happens with the team, no matter, you know, where we wind up, that that's never, that, that experience is never going away. Yeah. And that for me is what it's all about. Really. You want to have those experiences. You know, I still remember all the lows as well, but it's, it's that, you know, like I said, you're going to be there forever. Um, and we're going to have ups. We're going to have downs. I just feel it's important for the club and the players to connect with the fan base. Cause I think that the club's all about the fan base, really, you know, managers come and go, coaches come and go, owners come and go, players come and go, but the fans, you know, are mainly there for life mm-hmm. and always will be. Um, and I think, you know, for me, that's what the club's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of do want to talk a little bit about, um, about, about the book and because, you know, this is our conversations bringing all kinds of other things into my head, but just when you were, when you were writing the book, are, are these the type of things that, that, that you worked into it, that, that kind of guided you or, or how, you know, did you go about kind of thinking about or deciding what went into the book and what didn't go into the book? And and I guess we, what we haven't talked about is even, you know, what the kind of structure of the book is, what people can expect when they, when they open it up. Um, yeah, well, I, I think the book came really to fruition i've written a few books um in in my business career and a few humorous books so um but when we were on a coach to swindon town away back in the league one days uh, some young lads around me started sort of asking me questions you could obviously see i was one of the older people there (laughs) and um you know, I started sort of answering their questions and telling them a few stories. And, you know, they just the questions just kept coming. And Glenn, who sits next to me at St. Mary, said to me, you know, you've got to write a book about this. You've got to tell these stories um, over the years because, you know, I've known you a long time and I didn't even know what you just said. So that's I decided to to write the book. I wanted to not make it sort of an autobiography of my sort of support because that wouldn't be necessarily interesting for people, but really sort of home in all the time on the passion, you know, what we've just been talking about. You know, the uh, the book's called Being the Saint, but the uh, subline is the pain, passion and pleasure of being a Southampton FC fan. So it was all about homing in on the pain, passion and pleasure over the years in a sort of light-hearted way, but um, also to, you know, 
try to connect with other people. And the feedback that I've had from people is that's what's happened. They read it and they remember their own first games and they remember games that I refer to that they were at or saw on TV or whatever. So, you know, that's really what I wanted to do, to sort of, you know, um, articulate all those passions and things just through my own eyes, which is the only way I could. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not the best Saints fan out there. John, who sits behind us, in the Kings and North is a much better fan than me. Goes to every single away game, um, you know. But I am passionate about Saints, and there's a lot of people out there who are much more diligent fans than I am. But it's really to share with the fan base, you know, the passion, and sort of, you know, be proud of it really, because um, it's who we are really. And over 54 years, we've certainly had some ups and downs. So that's what I've tried to do just give my own perspective some games i didn't get to all of them and there's there's even periods in those 54 years where you know what it's like your life intervenes mm -hmm. um you can't actually get to as many games you know i've had i've had season tickets for many many of those years but not all the years you know and there's been other years and and periods where i couldn't get as much but i've always gone um, but sometimes more than others. But, you know, the passion never leaves you. And you, I think, you know, when you're a true fan, when you're following the game, wherever you are, what the score is. <laughs> um, because it doesn't matter where I am in the world or where I am with my life. If we're playing, I'm looking to follow what the score is. Mm -hmm. I mean, people... You tell people uh, from from my perspective over here, you know, normal kickoff time for me is seven a.m. and you know, you get up, you. It, it's nice because everybody here is kind of asleep. Uh, whether we if we give up an early goal, goal or score an early goal, then they're awake because I yell. It doesn't matter which way it goes. Um, and then you know, it's. I don't know. It's uh, it 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 doesn't leave you, and and I I despise the evening kickoffs just because like tomorrow tomorrow's match we're speaking on sunday uh tomorrow's match against brighton is noon and i'll be at work and it'll be like that it, the, the hardest thing for me to do tomorrow will be to focus um on on what i'm supposed to be doing because i will want to constantly be checking the score and constantly be listening to the radio or or you know uh watching on my phone which is not you know as an adult you can't <laughs> you can't always do that but uh it's uh it yeah, you're, we're kind of connected to it all the time, and it's something that you you just kind of focus on, and it's gonna it's gonna dominate my day tomorrow probably, and uh, hopefully I do an adequate job of the rest of the stuff I'm supposed to do. Well, my worst experience of that um, was the 2003 Cup final, which I didn't get to, but I've got a great excuse um, because our eldest daughter got married that day. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> When when they booked their wedding date sort of 18 months in advance, um, first of all, I didn't even know it was cup final day. But obviously, secondly, I had, I, assume, I never assumed Saints were getting the final. Um, so, and of all the things that I just had to go to, it was that. So I was giving my father of the bride speech at the same time we were losing 1-0 to Arsenal. And to make it even worse, it was a hotel nearer Portsmouth and Southampton. So I, w I paid one of the waiters to come and give me a tip-off on the game and the score. Um, but 
I have a hunch he was a Pompey fan, and I think he enjoyed telling me the score. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was a horrible experience. And if my daughter Natalie is listening to this, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> She'll understand. And I mean, can I, can I ask you just what your thoughts were when, you know, because obviously the wedding date's scheduled far in advance and you're making all these arrangements and then, you know, Saints get to the cup final and this is the day. How soon did you realize this was going to be, you know, you that this was going to, they were going to conflict with one another? I knew when we beat uh, Wolves in the quarterfinal, I knew then. So when I, I went to the semi-final at Villa Park when we beat Watford, and there it was a sort of bittersweet that I was so overjoyed. I knew we were in the final, but I knew that I couldn't go. Obviously, I wouldn't let my daughter down, but apart right. from anything else, I was terrified. If I even suggested to my wife, well, I wouldn't be here talking to you now. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, was, it wasn't even on the table um, for lots of reasons. As I said, I wouldn't have let my daughter down, but I knew then, quarterfinal, that the, the semi-final, um, when we won and we were all celebrating, I would, there was a little bit of me that was so sad that I knew I wasn't going to get there because I knew that we don't get to many cup finals. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was one of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we talked beforehand and you have kids and are any of your kids now Saints fans? Do they have, uh, any, any following of the club or, have they gone off and chosen big clubs or, or rugby or, or cricket or something else? Uh, the two daughters are not really into football. Um, although um, my eldest daughter I was referring to earlier um, would say she was a Saints fan. But what she has done is let me induct her son, my grandson, into being a passionate Saints fan. Um, and my our son... Uh, um, uh, w- w- I tried really hard to be making the Saints fan, but he chose Chelsea. Um, but he still comes to games with me, and I, I think, I think there's not much in his his support really, if I'm honest. But he still calls himself a Chelsea fan. Right. He does, he does love Chelsea. So I failed there, but both grandsons, 100% Saints. So. You know, they come to games with me and, and I love it. It just reminds me so much of when my dad took me. Yeah, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, cause I, that would be special, especially having those memories. And obviously you're probably not passing them to the front of the, of the stand and heading towards the back yourself. But, um, and if you were, you don't have to say it here because your daughter may, like you said, may listen. So don't, don't worry about that. But, um, you know, it, I mean, when you, when you show up to the ground, when you take them to the ground, are you, do you do you remember, I guess, uh, the memories of, of going with your dad and kind of what that's like and kind of maybe the, the emotions they're going through as they walk into a ground with the music and the, you know, going up the stands and all that stuff? Oh, absolutely. I first, especially, the, well, it's not just the first game, it's every game. Um, I took Logan to see the Leicester game a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and he's just still starstruck. He's now nine um, I've got a funny story actually I took him to see the Crystal Palace game last season when we lost 2-1 in the middle of our Dara run um, and I think it was the first game where I really started to think you know we could go down 
Um, and it was an evening game. I think he was still off school. It must have been early, just after the new year. And he was staying over with my wife and I, and I was driving him back and listening to, to the court talk show calling. And um, he was sat next to me and he said, Grandad, are we going to go down? I don't want us to go down. And he started crying. And I was so angry. I nearly rang into this talk show and sort of said, you overpaid footballers. You need to be in this car and see what you're doing to this little boy, you know. But I didn't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it is very, very special. Um, and it does remind me of my dad and the him taking me. And I think, you know, one of the things I always remember was when we won the cup in 1976, our, our peak really, um, I was there with my dad and that was really special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about your son in the Chelsea in the semifinal or, uh, you know, maybe we should talk about that, that premier league match. You talk about when you thought you were officially, we were officially going down. I was, I, t- I try to be optimistic. I, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic in a lot of things in life. And I try really hard to be positive about the team and, and try to make it fun for, for me, you know, cause I, if I go into a game and just going, you know, we are, we're, we're destined to lose. And this is, that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it good. Um, but uh, when we went two nil up on Chelsea and then managed to lose that game three, two, the way it happened, I just said to myself, like, that's it at that point, um, you know, we're done. And we're going down. I just didn't think we had the fight in us to 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 make to to come back and and make a stand. And of course, I was wrong. And I've never been happier to be wrong about anything. So um, I, I agree. I agree with you. That was the game I thought because we played so well and we just couldn't hold on. Mm-hmm. And I really did think then, you know, we are definitely going down to the point we drew away at Leicester, and I, I sort of almost didn't think it mattered. But I was completely wrong. Um, so yeah, I was so pleased, but yeah, it was a dark period and that was a game. I agree with you. That was a game where I thought we, we are actually going down. Yeah. It, it, it hurt to admit a little bit, you know, for, to some of my friends because they had been saying it for months and some of my friends who, you know, were just like, man, if you're saying it now, like what is, we probably are. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you've been the one holdout and, and now you're, you're with us. So I, I don't know. Um. But I want to talk a little bit about about just writing in general because you like you you mentioned you've written books in, in business and you've written a couple of other books kind of on on culture almost I don't know if that that's correct but um what what made you want to start writing t- to begin with I think I've always um, always sort of been interested in it I, I sort of slipped into it really with my business because it was a natural thing to do to sort of influence the market and stuff. But I, I've always been interested in sort of um, behavior, people's behavior, culture and humor. Um, and as a, as a kid, you know, I, I was an avid fan of Monty Python and I, I, I think it was about sort of 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I found an old, sort of book I'd written uh, sort of cartoons and words sort of pinned together that was a humorous book or so-called and when I found it in the loft um, in the roof it, it and got it down it actually made me giggle in a few places 
So I sort of <laughs> made my mind up I was going to expand from just business books. Um, so I've written a few sort of human behavioral things and stuff about British culture mm-hmm. um, called Aren't We a Funny Lot? Um, and they've done okay. And, um, well, there was obvious place to go was my passion for saints because I think, as my wife will say, it's something that really matters to me. So, yeah, it was the obvious um, progression, really. I mean, it was was the experience of, of writing the book about saints was it different than writing the other books or was it, was it, uh, in some ways just, just similar because it, you know, you're kind of, you're telling stories and, and that, that was something that just kind of came naturally or, or, you know, it, I, I guess, I guess I'm asking just, was there a, a different feeling around the, around writing this book than writing some of the other business books or some of the other culture books that you've done in the past? Oh, totally. Um, well, first thing is I think I wrote the whole book in a month, whereas business books take six months. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have to do it weekends, evenings, you know, every bit of time I can fit in. So there was a passion driving through it. But the second thing was it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable because of course I wasn't just reminding other people of events. I was reminding myself. So as I was taking myself for all these years, you know, I was revisiting some fantastic experiences and of course, reminding myself, because, you know, the great thing about the Internet is you can do all this research. So you can look up, you know, every game. So in each of the 44 chapters, you know, I can feature, you know, the team who scored the goals, the attendance, the date, um, thanks to the Internet. So, you know, and a lot of the time, you know, I was looking at the teams going, wow, we had a really good team there. And you, know, you sort of lose a little bit of, of sight of some of this stuff. So. Yeah, I I absolutely loved doing it, and it was a it was just like revisiting all those amazing experiences. Um, you know, not all about the games. You know, a few way japes. You know, there's a few bits about you know all the things that we used to have go on in the old days at the Dell and the hooliganism and stuff. Um, so there was all sorts of things in over the years. So, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, but as I say, I think the indicator of how this was different to the business and other books is it only took me a month to write um, because I just couldn't put it down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I get worried that doing doing this show, um, there is an element sometimes of work. And I, I love doing the show, but sometimes, whether it's the editing or taking notes during a game. Sometimes I just want to watch the game and I, and I, and I can't, you know, uh, because I have to write stuff down or I have to remember it or, or whatever. But, um, as you were going through this, did that, did, did writing the book, did it change the way you looked at the, at the team as you were, as you were, as you're going through that month? So maybe it's only four or five matches where you're, you're writing the book. Did it change the way you were viewing those matches because you were trying to look for moments to, to put in the book or, or no? No, not really. Um, I, I think, um, I think what I did notice is, although I said the idea for the book started back in the League One days, I didn't actually get round to doing it um, until last season. And what what I found was, um, and this is so quite funny really, but I wrote the last chapter and then things changed. So I had to rewrite the last chapter and then things changed. So I had to rewrite the last chapter. So I realized how my perspective of how things are going is a variable that changes quite quickly Mm -hmm. to the point that 
I think if we beat Brighton on Monday, and people know the answer to this, I guess, when they hear this, the perspective is going to be completely different if we lose. You know, one good win makes all the difference. And I think I realised that <laughs> because it's not written um, in tablets of stone exactly. You know, it's, it changes in an instant. Look at that way win at Swansea last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's perspective changed. Just one game, one goal. Yeah. A, a very ugly goal. <laughs> a very but ugly also, goal. also so beautiful. There is one other beautiful goal which um, goes back a long way. In, nine, in our 1976 Cup run, we were playing Aston Villa at home in the third round of the Cup. And it was a miserable, wet, awful January day. And Villa scored and we were losing, you know, and we were going out. Um, and Hugh Fisher scored an equaliser literally out of the blue in the last minute. And that literally changed the whole history of Southampton Football Club because it meant we were able to replay and then we won the replay and we went on to get to Wembley and to beat Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So we're our biggest ever day. And, you know, that all literally changed on that one goal in the last minute by Hugh Fisher. Um, and it really says everything about football that it can change on a dime, you know? Yeah, yeah. Another thing I was thinking about was, um, you know, there's probably only about 5,000 of us Saints fans who attended that cup final that are still alive, which is a scary thought. It, yeah, I mean, thinking back to the, to the cup final now, and you know, there's only so many tickets given for for each team, and then you know, you look at the average age of, uh, of most of the people who are, are attending the matches. Of course, that that would put them um, nearer the the, uh, the the end of their lives, I guess. And so, yeah, it would be uh, a smaller number of people that are, are are around. And I remember trying desperately to find someone who was there when we were going into the last cup final to talk to. And I had a couple of people lined up and then, you know, some of them said like, you know, I don't know what Skype is. I'm not doing it. Um, all this stuff. And so I wound up not being able to to find anyone, but that, that's okay. Uh, it, it is what it is. But um, I, I guess kind of staying with the, the recent years and not necessarily the past two or three, but just more recently, um, you know, are there, are there players that have kind of stuck out to you that, that you have, have looked at? I know we've lost a lot of players and stuff like that, but just players that you have kind of been kind of drawn to over the course of your Saints career? Well, my favorite, of course, is Matt Letizier, who was a genius, just was a joy to watch. I love Francis Benali because just he was such a fighter. And Mick Shannon was also in his time great. In the promotion years, absolutely adored Ricky Lambert. I loved um, you know, his attitude, his connection with the fans, you know, those years were fantastic. I, I also really enjoyed those years, the, the, the Podicino Kuman years when, you know, we had people like Pella, who I really enjoyed, uh, Mane, who was a great player, if a bit interesting. And, you know, Jay Rodriguez, when he was at his peak, that was a special sort of time for me. Thoroughly enjoyed that. 
So, yeah, yeah, there's been some great times recently and, um, as I say, great players over the years. I particularly like Hoiberg in the current squad because uh, I just like his attitude. Um, you know, he sort of seems to be the sort of player that fits Saints, you know. That's uh, just a personal view. I agree. I agree. I think he has the... Uh... You know, he just seems to go and, and he seems to be passionate about it. He seems to be uh, working and, and, you know, we we had just built him up a couple of weeks ago and then he went and had that that uh, mm-hmm. he fell, uh, you know, and got himself sent off. And, uh, you know, that was frustrating because we had he had been fighting to get in the team. And, and it was I think it was hard for uh, for Houston to, to, to drop Romeo, um simply because he's really the, the only holding midfielder, I guess we have. And but in that formation that we're playing now, we don't have necessarily room for just somebody who's just going, who's just going to sit. Yeah, I think that's the problem with the formation we're playing. You can't afford to have, you know, that in the central midfield. I still think they're they're not hundred percent sure about what you know, formations we're playing. I think there's still a bit of sort of fine tuning, but you know, at least the games are much more enjoyable and exciting now. Yeah, yeah. I think giving Hughes the summer and and honestly having a lot of our attacking players not go to the World Cup, I think helped because yeah. they got back in early and and as much as I would have loved to have been able to see more of our players play in the World Cup, we, the fact that we weren't there it just it just meant that we we had the preseason, we had the um you know, some of the guys got to go off and do. I know Nathan Redmond was here in LA and I've talked about that before and he was you know, working on just his, his fitness and his strength and, and his, I think he got some confidence from that and that shows. And, and I think that has been great, you know? Um, but I, I mean, I don't know how many, it's still early in the season. I don't know how much you've, you've been able to, to watch of, of this season, but uh, do you see a difference in, between what we're doing maybe this season versus, versus last season? Yeah, I've been to quite a few games. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've only got to one away game, the Brighton League Cup game. So I've seen quite a bit of us this season. I'd say it's promising. Um, it's not the finished article, but it's promising. I like what I see. We're much more exciting to watch. Um, I'm not, As I say, I'm not altogether sure the managers worked out exactly what's our best formation. But, yeah, I think the Palace away game was a big win. I just want to see us have some good wins at home. It's been so many years since we've, had a lot of good high-quality home wins. And, you know, I think for most fans, that's the games they get to see. So I think we just need to get a few good wins under our belt for everybody to feel better. But I, I'm more optimistic now than I have been for some considerable time. I think that's reasonable. Last season, I know when we, when we brought Hughes in, um, I talked to a couple of City fans and a couple of other fans who had had uh, Hughes at their club and they, and they weren't excited. They weren't, they weren't optimistic. And obviously, you know, I, I think you just have to rule Stoke out because at that moment they're fairly bitter and they're not happy about where things are at. But even some of the Manchester city fans, they just said, you know, like I, we weren't sure he was going to, he was going to be any good. And I, and I, but I think he's the right fit. I think he's the right fit for some of the players that we have and, and some of the um, adjustments that need to be made to the team. And um, especially I, I, to me, you look at, at, at Kuman, who was this, he's a fairly big personality. You know, he, he had the pedigree for both his playing career 
Um, and, and he brought that with him to his managerial career. He was outspoken. And then you look at where we went after that with Puel and, and Pellegrino, who were, who were just quiet and, and maybe lacked that, that ability to command the, the respect of the squad. And then Hughes just comes in and doesn't deal with that. He just is not going to stand for that. And I think we saw that with, with Buffal and all that stuff. But um, I think he's just been able to, to, to kind of assert himself on the team and, and still working with things and still being, uh, you know, you know, being willing to tinker and move, but um, just standing up for the team and standing up to the team, I think in some respects, and just saying that this is how things are going to go. This is what we're going to work on. This is how we're going to do. This is what I want you to do. And I think that has been just a huge lift to the team. Yeah, and I think it's very much the Saints' way. You know, that's what the fans want. They want to see the players giving everything they've got. Um, you know, I think um, prima donna overpaid footballers are not really the Southampton way. I just don't think that will connect with the fans. I think they want to see people give it all they got. And, you know, I think we've got to be careful with our buying because over the more recent years, we haven't done too well. Um, and I think we need to think about the sort of players we buy. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the uh, question is, being Saints, are we ever going to be able to go out there and buy the finished article at sort of 30 million? I think the answer is no, not if we're going to be financially viable. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we have to find players or bring them through the academy. So, you know, we're not a big six team. We can't go out there and do that sort of thing. So I, so the only disappointment for me is over the last couple of years, you know, our buying has you know, generally been a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. And, you know, I I, I guess I want to ask, do you, as somebody who's who's been involved in business and doing other things, do you look at the club and go like, that's that's bad business. Do you look at the club and say sometimes to yourself, like, why would you do this? This is, this is a mistake. Or do you just kind of, you try to separate that out and just enjoy it for what it is. And, and <laughs> that's a great, that's a great question, actually. Um, because I'm over the years, you know, advised advisors, how to advise businesses on finances. I can't break away from my natural inclination, which is you can't run a business that makes a loss because it will soon go bust. Um, so I can't avoid that whenever I'm looking at this. So if I, if I was to see Saints spending money they didn't have, I would worry a lot because essentially what I want is the club to continue. So having said that, I don't really buy into the, you know, I don't get really interested in all the finances around the club because that's not what being a fan's all about. But I do get that they've got to be viable. You know, we saw what happens when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a period there before our great saviour came in and saved us where we might not have been in existence. Um, and that was scary. Um, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I can't avoid my natural inclination, which is to, but what I'm not is going to play championship manager you know, with Saints online, because I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Sometimes when you read the fans' forums, it's like reading a finances forum where everybody's talking about the money all the time. But yeah, I, I unfortunately, I think that's football nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, and one big problem with, with social media and the internet is is somebody says, I have a source. 
this is the deal. And then people run with it. And, and half the time it's, it's somebody sitting in their living room or in their mom's basement, uh, coming up with stuff and, and just watching the, the chaos that ensues. And, uh, and, and, and I think that drowns out the, the people who actually do have sources and actually do have people close to the club who actually do know stuff. And it becomes harder and harder to kind of decipher, uh, what's, what's somebody just looking to get a rise out of people and what's, what's somebody, uh, you know, who's actually well-informed and, and well-intentioned in what they're doing. Yeah, well, it's 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 so hilarious when we get to transfer deadline day, and everybody spots everybody at Southampton Air, uh, Airport, um, <laughs> and it proves to all be just fallacy. But yeah, I mean, it's because people are passionate about the club, of course, and they want every snippet of information they can get. Um, but um, I think, you know, when it comes to just money. Um, for me, that's not what it's about. But I do need the club to be viable. I don't want them to go bust. Right, right. No, that that, that I mean, to me as an American fan, there I, I want the club to be around, and then I want them to be in the Premier League because other than it, outside of that, uh, it, it becomes much more difficult to to have access to the team in terms of being able to watch games. And I ha- I have done podcasts or done episodes where I or I, I wasn't able to watch the game and it's just it's not quite the same. I feel like I'm I'm being uh, I'm asking questions where I don't I don't have uh, an idea of what I'm kind of trying to get to because I don't know the ins and outs of the, of the match and I I don't like that. So I like uh, I like being able to to see the team and you know maybe once or twice uh, once every couple of years being able to actually go over and watch the team and hopefully next time. Uh, it'll be at home and we won't, uh, we won't lose three, nothing to West Ham. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, is there, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would, you, you wanted to make sure that we talked about or you wanted to, to make sure we got in here? Um, well, I, I just like to say that actually my favorite two years ever were when we were in league one and got promoted and promoted from the championship. Um, which is strange when you think I was a passionate fan when we had Kevin Keegan and then when we finished second in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I love those years because we regained our identity as a club and everything was positive and we were going forward and we were winning lots of games and there's nothing better than winning lots of games. So I I just think it's important we have our identity and I think we can have that in the Premier League and we've had it for several years we were looked upon as you know as as a poster boy for other clubs um and i just think it's important for the club to realize and the fans to realize what makes us special and you know be true to that really but those two years when i had some amazing experiences going away to clubs that i never thought i'd ever go to and thoroughly enjoyed every minute um, so that was a bit of a surprise. On the other hand, when we were appalling in the championship before we went down, um, was quite shocking and uh, an experience I don't I don't want to repeat. I I guess that would be one of those times where I was glad I wasn't quite around yet. You know, um, because I've I've watched my my you know the Houston Astros be on the brink of a World Series and fail, and watch what spending money you don't have will do to you and, and gone through 10 years of, of just being a dumpster fire, basically uh, having a stadium that we, we couldn't fill having, um, you know, basically to field uh, uh, players who weren't quite 
at the level that we needed them to be to to be in the, in the, in the major in major league baseball and and then watching us also steadily in the background build this this club that was going to be uh you know change direction and and be there and and to to watch saints and look at them kind of have the academy that was there and to to bring those players through and to buy you know spend money wisely in the market and develop those players to be the product they are um that, that to me is 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 great so uh, it's been, it's been a, a fun, a fun ride thus far. And I'm looking forward to, to, to much more. Yeah. I think probably the obvious high for me over all those 54 years was the 1976 FA cup final, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, I knew at the time probably would never get beaten. Um, that was really special, but I think also the low for me was 17th of January, 2009, at home to Doncaster Rovers in the championship, we lost 2-1 that took us, I think, bottom in the league and the attendance was 15,837. And I remember it well because the fans were fighting amongst themselves and the atmosphere was toxic and it was a real low. So, you know, we've had some highs and we've had some lows, but we will continue to have them. But, uh, yeah, I, I... uh, th- those were my highs and lows. All right. Um, we do have two quick questions um, from, from some of the, of the listeners that I like to ask. And uh, one of them, Ollie underscore Smith underscore 71 on Instagram, just asked, where do you think we're going to finish uh, this season? So um, it, it, I guess I'll just ask you that. Where you, it's early, but where, where do you think, where, where do we belong in this, in this run of, of Premier League teams? Um, my, my hunch is, between about 10th and 13th, somewhere there. Um, I'm not quite sure we're good enough to get in the top 10. I hope I'm wrong. I think we're probably too good to be in a relegation fight. Again, I hope I'm right. Mm-hmm. So I think sort of slowly building our way back up would be my hunch, but it is only a hunch. Um, and then Tactics FC, um, who helps kind of uh, promote the, the podcast uh, he, this guy develops websites and does a bunch of other stuff and he's, he's great. But, um, anyway, he, he has asked kind of, what is the point of, of Southampton? And, and I think this comes from the fact that you look at, are, are, are we one of these mid table teams who just, the point is to survive and, and just be in the premier league to, to kind of rake in the money from a business side of things or, or are we there to kind of build a team and then make a run towards, you know, to, to challenge for, for Europe every once in a while, or what, what do you think this is? And I think this changes for everybody, but I think also some people just ask this question as like a throwaway question, but I'm, I, I kind of want to address it uh, semi-seriously, I guess, if we can. Well, I think we have to be realistic. Um, I think for me, the point is passion and excitement. So we play good football. We're a bit different. We're true to our roots and our fan base. Um, but we stay in the Premier League because we don't want to not be in the Premier League. Um, I don't see it as survival if you're playing exciting football. I'd like to beat the big teams from time to time, which I think we can do. And I think on our best seasons, we can get into Europe. We can win a cup. I mean, let's face it, we should have won the League Cup two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Um Sometimes it's difficult, like uh, meeting Chelsea in the semi, when you sort of know if they if they try hard, we're probably going to struggle. But yeah, we can do that, um, and I don't think it's survival. 
I think if you watch exciting football and you've got your passion for the club, I, I don't think that is survival. Is it realistic to compete with Manchester City? No. We can't, we can't ever generate that sort of revenues that they... And the fair play rules, without getting into politics, basically ensure that the big clubs stay big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, I don't know, whether well-intentioned or not, sometimes the, what you what you think a policy will do and what the policy actually does are, are two completely different things. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there. But um, yeah, I, w- I just want to say thank you again for, for being willing to come on and talk and, and talk about the book and thanks for writing the book and I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, and we will be giving away uh, a, a copy of the book and uh, yeah, well, the, the details for that will be kind of in the show notes and, and, and all that stuff. So uh yeah, thank you for for coming on, and and uh, we'll talk to you hopefully again at some point uh, down down the line. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do a normal kind of episode where we'll talk about a game and we'll just you know lament uh, or our frustrations or, or celebrate uh, a victory. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to my guest this week, Richard Walters. You can find more from him at richardwaltersauthor.co.uk or you can retweet the tweet that is pinned on my page and give him a follow at rwaltersauthor and you can have a chance to win a copy of his new book, Being a Saint. I cannot express to you uh, how excited I am to have another Saints book to get my hands on. Uh, The last two have been fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to this one as well. As always, special thanks to Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page for doing the logo for the show. Uh, And special note, this week, uh, that page turned four. Uh, So four years of We Are Southampton edits. Uh, Matt, great job. Keep up the good work. Uh, It's a pleasure to be able to work with you, and I hope that we can continue Uh, in the future. So best of luck to you, man. Uh, Thanks. This podcast is partnered with the Southampton page. So on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, for all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to check out the Southampton page. You will not be disappointed. Music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. If you're wondering how to get more episodes of this show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts, including the new Google Podcast app for Android users. If you search delivery with two L's, you should be able to pull it up. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. We're at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery and the email address is Southampton delivery at gmail.com. We welcome all feedback. And if you have some good stuff, why don't you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen and make sure you tell a friend about the show. Uh, but enough of that. We'll be back after the Liverpool game. Talk to you next week. And until then, remember that together we march on. really get these guys out of my head that'd be great